Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You are listening to AM 1320 WARL, Attleboro, Providence. It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution and Major League Soccer on WARL 1320 The Drive with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome to Revolution Recap. We're here every Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m. reviewing the latest action of the New England Revolution in Major League Soccer on AM 1320 as well as over the internet at 1320thedrive.com. Joining me today in studio is Dave Ackman. And later today we're going to have a contest. Um, you can win t- a pair of tickets for this Sunday's, um, this Saturday's triple header with the U.S. men's national team possibly playing in it. Uh, it's going to be the quarterfinals of the Gold Cup as well as the Rebs versus FC Dallas, and it'll be a, uh, a great, great three games to go to. Um, but first, we'll start off talking about the Chicago Fire versus New England Revolution match last night. Uh, it was the Rebs' second loss of the year, falling one out of the Chicago Fire. Uh, Chicago, I thought, really dominated the second half of that game, and they, they really deserved that win in that game. Yeah, I think you could definitely tell that the Revs were missing a bunch of their key players and that they were missing, you know, the main heart and soul, not only through the Gold Cup, but also Shalry Joseph through suspension. And I think up until uh, the last couple of minutes, Chicago really did control the game. And b- both teams were actually missing a, several stars for the game. You saw from Chicago Fire missing Chris Armas, who's a really influential guy for them. And on the same side, you saw the Revs, Shawry Joseph, who's really their equivalent of Chris Armas and a, a great central defensive midfielder. And then up top, the Revs were missing Pat Noon, and they are missing uh, Steve Ralston, their normal uh, right wing. And then they were missing Clint Dempsey, and as you said, Shawry Joseph through suspension, uh, as well as Avery John, who probably could have been used last week due to many of the other missing players. And then Chicago were missing guys like Samuel Caballero, Tony Santa, um, and they were, they were missing several players too, but I think the players they were missing overall aren't as big of impact players as some of the guys that Revs are missing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of our players are our main attackers, you know, the guys that control the ball in the midfield and, you know, spray it up to the top forward pairing, whereas their guys are more, you know, veteran leaders and, you know, they can be replaced as a little bit easier than our guys could have been replaced. And, and the really telling stat of the game was the Revs with only one shot on goal and uh, they, both teams were pretty even in total shots, but Chicago put on six put seven on goal. Matt Reese managed to save six. He had a great outing, but uh, the goal by Gonzalo Segares, uh, Segares, who was his third goal of the, the season, he couldn't stop that. And uh, Matt Reese was named man of the match despite in a losing effort, and it was really a testament to how well he played in that game to be named man of the match in a losing effort. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he came up with key saves, and he also, you know, stopped that penalty kick, which kept them in the game. And the Segares goal, you know, I mean, what was he, about eight yards away? I mean, there's not much you can do about that as a goalie. And, and it was really became sort of a physical game. There was a lot of pushing and shoving in the box, and uh, the the referee seemed to keep fairly good control of it. But there were several fouls in there that I thought could have gone called that that went uncalled. And there are a few things later on in the game that I was thinking um, if that had happened earlier it would have been called for a foul. But he's letting it go now. And with things like that, you, you think maybe that could have been a game-changing foul. But really, Chicago were the, were the better team, and they deserved to come out with the win. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there was definitely a couple of questionable calls, but when, you know, two teams, you know, they don't like each other. They're from the same conference. You know, they have a history of, you know, these kind of actions. And the ref, I know, he, he kind of let it go. So, I mean, you can't say that he gave too many fouls to Chicago or too many to New England. It was He just called it as he saw it. So uh, the better team won on the day. 
And with the Revs, as we were talking about earlier, uh, there were several rookies making their making their f- even the first start with uh, Ryan Latham making his first start, and then James Riley uh, was pre- been pretty experienced so far, but it wasn't his best outing out there. And uh, also Michael Parker, he played pretty well, but it, it was really tough. There was a lot of pressure on the defense without a guy like Shari Joseph, uh, the big ball winner in the midfield. It put a lot of pressure on the defense. In the first half, the game seemed to be pretty even, I, I thought, and the the Revs had a couple chances, and as well as Chicago had a couple chances, but uh, it was really the second half. Chicago took over the game. Uh, we're playing like they wanted to take over first in the league, and that's what they accomplished. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you got three, four young guys starting out there, Connell Smith included, I mean, you know, they might come out with your initial, uh, the initial adrenaline rush, you know, come out playing hard, but, you know, after a while, you know, the overall skill of the players will show themselves after the break when the coaches get time to settle them down and, you know, make the changes to the squad where the rookies might have a little harder time making those changes. And Andy Dorman, who scored the crucial goal last week, uh, pl- played another good game, uh, but it was really one of the few players that I, I would say played pretty well in that game. There was a, the, mi- the midfield wasn't connecting as smoothly as we've seen out of the past and when the Revs had their dominating performance, but uh, it, it was it was a tough game for the Revs, but it, when you think about it, it's just their second loss coming into the season. I'm sure any fan would be happy saying halfway through the season the Revs only had two losses, but the way they've been playing, it, it is a little disappointing to see them lose this game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, you can't expect them to go the entire season with one, you know, or two losses. But, you know, to lose when you're playing, you know, without your top squad, you know, that's kind of a difficult thing to take. And we actually have some comments recorded earlier from Andy Dorman uh, about the match. Uh, Dorman, we got in touch with him over the phone um, on, the, on the team bus ride to the plane. Uh, the Revs are actually in the air now, so we weren't able to get anyone over the phone. So we got this pre-recorded conversation. It didn't come out as good as, as we hoped due to some technical difficulties with the cell phone. But um, we do have some comments that we'll play for you now. They probably had a little bit bad possession, but I thought it was pretty equal. And then they got the goal off the corner. Um, but, I mean, we had a couple of chances, um, but just just didn't take them. But yeah, overall, yeah, it's just it's disappointing to, especially to, to lose the second game um, after after only drawing as well last week. But I don't know. Uh, we just got to do better next week. So we've got to get back to winning ways as soon as possible. And that was Andy Dorman talking about last night's game and uh, before we get on to the U.S. national team the Revs had a game Monday and the the Revs in that game fell down uh, late in the game about the 87th minute but they managed to come back on a great goal by Andy Dorman in the last really the last kick of the game that was a, a great effort for them to come back when they seemed down and out Oh, yeah, I mean, that just shows the testament of, to how hard this team works and how they don't ever give up. I mean, they scored with maybe five, ten seconds left in the match after a well-earned foul, you know, just in, in the danger area. So you got to give them credit for coming back and earning the point when their big guys are out of town. Yeah, and that game, it seemed like, again, the Revs had their chances to win. Uh, Twelman had a breakaway that he possibly could have done better with, and he had another great header that Kevin Hartman came up big on. But both sides had their chances in that, and that, that game could have gone either way. Kevin Hartman named man of the match, shows some of the pressure he was put under. But it, it, it was a performance by the Revs with all their starters out that I think they'll take a draw on the road in a team like Los Angeles that's so great at home. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're playing in the Home Depot Center. You know, it's a difficult arena to play in. Both teams are missing some, you know, again, missing some good players. But the refs came out. They got Twelman involved. You know, he's sort of coming back from injury, so you can't expect him to take all his chances right away. That breakaway, you know, he got away, but, you know, he couldn't finish. But, you know, as the season moves on and he gets back into the flow of things, I think those would be the ones he would bury. And a surprise move that didn't happen was uh, Los Angeles coach Siggy Smith uh, asked Bruce Arena to release Landon Donovan for the match. Uh, Arena replied that, 
Uh, he would have to release Clint Dempsey, Steve Ross, and Pat Nairn as well. Uh, but he still wanted to do it. Eventually, Bruce Arena wouldn't do it. But th- does that come as a surprise that he would want Landon Donovan in exchange for one for three? Or, or does that seem because Landon Donovan is such a great player? Uh, I can see why Schmidt would want it, but I don't know why he would want it in another way. I mean, Donovan is their inspirational leader. He's their big attacking player. He brings, you know, entire life to that squad, but so does Dempsey and Noonan. I mean, and Ralston even, I think, could be probably the better winger in that, too. So, I mean, I think the Res would have gotten the better hand of that had they had done that for Pearson swap back. Yeah, the correction actually was Steve Sampson, I meant. Not Steve Smith anymore, but uh, I, I think as far as a guy like Landon Donovan in Los Angeles, the way Los Angeles has played with Landon Donovan in the lineup, they've looked to be a completely different player and have looked a lot better, whereas the Revs missing... Those three guys, they've still been able to play well. Um, they they didn't in the last game, but before that they had still been doing well. And I, I guess it was a trade-off that he thought with Landon Donovan in the lineup that makes him that more dangerous, that more able to win games in, in, that, in that way. It does, although it does seem a little surprising that he would go for a one-for-three trade-off like that. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, you got, as a coach, you got to want your best players in there, whether or not. I mean, if you lose to the other team because they're better, I mean, that's better than, you know, saying we didn't have our best players so we couldn't even compete. So I, th- I can see why he would do it, too. And as far as that performance, I thought a draw was a just result. Both teams seemed to have their chances. It seemed to be a pretty evenly contested match, and uh, a, dr- a draw seemed like the, f- the, f- the fair end result. It didn't seem like it was going to happen. Uh, got down to the to o- over the end of stoppage time when that free kick was taken, and but the Revs managed to pull it out and, and get a, a deserve a tie, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that, that's the result. I think, you know, even 0-0 would have been a fair result. I mean... L.A. took their chance, though, really well with that header. So, I mean, 1-1 should have been the way it ended. And uh, as we were talking about earlier, some of the U.S. national team players that are out, and as well as Avery John was out with the Trinidad and Tobago team, uh, Dempsey started the game on uh, Thursday with U.S. versus Canada and U.S. I mean, U.S. versus Cuba, and U.S. came out on top of that one 4-1. to But that was actually a surprisingly close game, considering the opposition. Bruce Arena seemed to put out a very experimental lineup, some guys getting their first cap, Brad Davis, Santino Caranta, and for a while there, it seemed like Cuba would come out on top. They scored the early goal. Uh, they almost got, went into halftime, but Clint Dempsey came out and scored a great goal. And uh, In my mind, Dempsey was one of the better players, if not the best player out there, until, until, up until later when he made the substitutions with Landon Donovan and uh, John O'Brien coming in. Yeah, I mean, you could tell Arena was just trying to see. He, he probably, probably underestimated Cuba, I'd say. Put out a bunch of inexperienced players, and I mean Dempsey. You know he hasn't gotten that many call-ups either, so you could even call him an inexperienced national team player. But he came out, he got the clutch goal to bring him in at halftime, one-one. I think if Cuba goes up one-nothing, they're going to come out of that halftime break with so much confidence that it would have been difficult to crawl back. But you know, coming back one-one, you let your big guns sit on the bench a little longer, let them get a little more tired, and they can pull out the win at the end. And that was just three minutes left of regulation time. Uh, The U.S. Well, they had an explosion of goals with Landon Donovan scoring off of a great free kick in the 97th minute, and then Demarcus Beasley scoring in the 89th minute, and then out of nowhere the team just seemed to be keep trying to keep possession, and then they just came up and Landon Donovan had another goal. So it, it was a good end result, but it, it it didn't come the way the U.S. had hoped, I'm sure, uh, leaving it to the late like that against a team like Cuba. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I think they probably would have liked to be able to relax all their big guns like Donovan and Beasley if they could have, but. I think, you know, it's just so that when we play our best players, we can be a great national squad. Yeah, it's, I think it came as a surprise to many people, some of the Bruce Arena's choices. If you look at the people we call up, we call up Santino Caranta, who really doesn't even start every game for D.C. He's not really even a regular starter for D.C. He's had two goals this year. Um, in the past, he was wanted by Man United. He had a promising future, but recently his play has dropped down, and 
he just had two goals this year, and that seemed like maybe he was starting to do better, but th- that sort of came as a shock to me that he would call him up just based on his two goals when there's guys like Jeff Cunningham who have eight goals and Nate Jakewell who's been doing well, who were also healthy and, and could have been called up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think Cunningham, I don't know why he gets the raw deal that he does even in Colorado. He doesn't get as much minutes as I think he could get. Um, and I think Jake was coming on so strong lately, ever since that explosion against Chivas where he got that hat trick. He's been on great form, too. So I don't know if I agree with the choice of Coranto, but so far they've gone undefeated in the tournament, so you can't argue too too much. And then on the opposite end, you see some of the, the aging players who seem to be almost out of the picture, but now are getting their call-offs, and uh, Tony Sané and Chris Armas, both from Chicago. And uh, Chris Armas... I, I think he still has a shot at making the World Cup roster, but I like Tony Sané with, with who is competing up against guys like Steve Trundle for positions like right back. It doesn't seem like he has much of a chance. and uh, to, uh, He didn't look that great to me against against Cuba. I thought he got beat a few times that where he could have done better, but uh, are you surprised at all to see him calling up some of these aging players and seeing if they might make it in the World Cup squad? Or? Uh, I don't mind the Armist one as much as I do the Sané one. I mean, I think there's a ton of U.S. defenders that could be tried out in a tournament like this. I mean, we know what we'd get with Sané. You get a veteran presence, and you get a good guy in the squad. But I don't think in two more years, I mean, after the World Cup, that you're going to see him in the national picture much. So I think if you're going to make this an experimental squad, you'd go with some of the younger guys like they did with, you know, like with even a Kawanta. I mean, you're giving the guy a shot. I mean, I like that kind of a move rather than giving someone that's a little old, a little bit out of the picture on the older age. But you do have to cut him some slack. There were several players injured at the time. Uh, Eddie Johnson was not injured. That made way for the Kronk to call. Uh, Twelman, he said he was going to call if he played in the game that weekend, but he didn't. And then uh, another guy, Chris Albright, out injured, who probably would have gotten a call up and could have uh, arguably taken away that spot from Santa. Uh, I agree. Albright would have been a good choice. I mean, even someone like a Parkhurst could have gotten a call up, I think, over. Um, or even a Boswell, you know, one of these kind of guys, if you want to give the younger guys a shot. But, I mean, he'd bring up Sané, so... I can't say too much about that. Well, we're going to take a quick break here, and then we'll be back with some more Revolution Recap. The Vintage Barn, your number one party headquarters for the South Coast. With over 100 different selections of beer and hundreds of wines and spirits to choose from, the Vintage Barn is your only choice when planning a party. Come by and see them on Route 6 in Swansea, across from Building 19. For the area's best selection of wine, beer, and liquor, there's no other place than the Vintage Barn. Are you looking for a top-notch used car? Then stop on by United Auto Sales. They sell high-quality cars at low, affordable prices. United Auto Sales is located at 734 Hartford Avenue in Providence, Rhode Island. United Auto Sales has over 30 years experience in the business and a friendly, knowledgeable staff that can help you with their large selection of high-line used cars. Picking your next dream ride will be easy at United Auto Sales. Stop by today or give them a call at 401-331-3600. That's 401 401- 331-3600. Financing is also available at United Auto Sales. Be sure to stop on by United Auto Sales, your one-stop shop for the best used car prices around. 
If you're looking for a great place to go after a long day at work, then McFadden's is the place for you. Located at 52 Pine Street in downtown Providence, McFadden's is the spot to be every night of the week. McFadden's has over 40 TVs to go along with great food and a great atmosphere. Next time you book a party for business or pleasure, make sure to check out McFadden's luxurious Pearl Room with its giant projection television and a state-of-the-art cigar bar. So put some excitement in your day and head to McFadden's at 52 Pine Street, downtown. Providence. You are listening to AM 1320 WARL, Attleboro, Providence. And now, back to Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. Earlier I mentioned uh, a Gold Cup contest where you could win tickets to the triple header featuring the Gold Cup quarterfinals as well as the Revs versus FC Dallas. I'll give up the details for that now. Um, the, the question is, you have to answer which two players in the top five of the U.S. men's national team all-time leading goal scorers chart played for the New England Revolution at some point in their career. And, and you have to email the answer to that question to goldcup at mpressonsports.com. That's goldcup at mpressonsports.com. And once again, the question is, which two players in the top five of the U.S. men's national team all-time leading goal scorers chart played for the New England Revolution at some point in their career? A- and with that contest, I'd like to thank Michael Preston, the venue press officer for Gillette Stadium during the Gold Cup, for providing us with this opportunity to do this contest. And uh, as we were talking about the Gold Cup, the U.S. we were talking about the U.S. Cuba game. Uh, U.S. came out of that one top of four one, and then last Saturday they had a game as well in which they came out on top of Canada by a score of 2 nothing, And that game, again, they sort of left to late, um, scoring the first goal in the second half. And another team that you expect the U.S. to win against comfortably, by the way, Canada's been playing recently. But Canada really gave them a, had the chances to score in that game and could have easily tied that game up. Yeah, Canada's a good squad, though. I mean, they have a couple of good attacking players in Rosario, and they, they played a good game. And the Revs got lucky with the... Or not the Revs, the U.S. team got lucky with the back header that went into the goal right at the beginning of the second half. I think that made Canada sort of open it up and gave the U.S. team a chance to counterattack, and that's eventually how they got their second goal, too. And once again, that, that two of the players that I could think could be easily part of the... the if you were going to name the top five players playing in that game, I'd say Pat Noonan and Steve Ralston would be included in that with their performances. Both of them put out another good showing, and it's really a credit to the Revs to see the Revs players getting called up and really being some of the better players on the team. Yeah, exactly. I think Noonan had so many nice passes just heading it down to people in the box, I think that those kind of really set the tone for the way that they were going to attack on the crosses and then knock down headers. And I think um, Ralston made a bunch of nice crosses and cuts inside. And he really worked well with the overlapping Trundolo, too. Yeah, Ralston had a couple of great crosses. He almost linked up with Pat Noonan one time, sent on a great cross, but Pat Noonan just headed it just wide. And It's great to see the, the teammates like that on the Revs doing well for the national team. And in that game... The U.S. managed to win against uh, Canada without giving up a, an early goal or anything. Bruce Arena put out a little bit better lineup, a little more uh, experienced players in that game, putting, starting Landon Donovan. But he seemed to also switch and do a, rest basically everyone who played the match before, starting Casey Keller in goal and pretty much anyone who played 
uh, started the next the match before he rested in this game, and he seems to be uh, making sure nobody gets overplayed in this tournament, and it's taking it seems to be taking it like he wants to win it, but he also at the same time doesn't want to overplay people, and it's more of an experiment to see who could possibly make the roster come World Cup time. Yeah, I think exactly. I think you see you know people like Beasley being left on the bench if this was a tournament that they were gung ho trying to win. I don't think you'd see someone like him on the bench. So I think it's a good point that they're probably you know he realizes that a lot of these players are either getting ready for their off-season training to start or are in the middle of their season, so he's probably trying not to overwork them too, too much this year in a tournament that's not considered, you know, a major tournament to win. And with the two wins, the U.S. now set atop Group B in the tournament, uh, tied with Costa Rica on points but ahead on goal differential, and uh, the, the, the game that will decide who wins the group come takes place on Tuesday right here at Gillette Stadium, uh, and the, there will be the U.S. national team facing Costa Rica, and as well as Canada facing Cuba, and that match could also be important with possibly one of the team that wins that getting a place in the next round as well. Yeah, exactly. That that three teams from a group uh, rule could make that uh, Canada Cuba match interesting, and I think that it's going to be a tough place for the Revs because or for the U.S. team because you don't want to have to face Mexico in the first round of the medal round, so they probably want to come out on top of that group because of that uncertainty in Group C. Yeah, with Group C, you see some uh, quality teams. That the, if they ended up losing to Costa Rica, they could have to face. Uh, possibly, it looks like either right now would be either be Mexico or Jamaica, which are two good teams. Where it doesn't, it's unclear who will come out on top of Group A at this point. But it could be a team: Panama, Trinidad and Tobago, Honduras, or Colombia. And the way all those teams have been playing recently, I think they would much rather uh, play one of them than take a gamble and possibly end up facing Mexico this early on in the tournament. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you never want to face Mexico. I mean, they're always a strong team. If you look at what they did in the Confederations Cup, I mean, all it takes is you know just one of their players like Borghetti or anyone to get a little break, and they can definitely take advantage of it. So, I mean, not to put down Panama, Trinidad, or any of the other people in Group A, I think you just want to probably face Mexico as late in the tournament as you could. And as far as this tournament, I was having a discussion with somebody about it earlier. The importance of this tournament, uh, winning it, I, I think is great because as we saw, the winning it, you get a berth in the Confederations Cup. And and as we saw with Mexico getting the upset of Brazil's first team and seeing how how seriously teams like Brazil took that tournament playing their star players, I think that's really become more of a prestigious tournament. That it would be great to see the U.S. back in. They ha- they were in it before, and, and Mexico at the berth last time. As we see, police chased out the window. <laughs> Mexico got the berth in there last time, but uh, the U.S. was in there the, the time before, and it would be great to see U.S. Get, get the chance and possibly get some upsets against a team like Brazil and a great experience uh, as far as uh, outside the World Cup. You, can't, you don't get really much better tournament than that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, to face someone such as, you know, Germany or Brazil, I mean, that's, that's just a great warm-up for the World Cup next year. So I think if they could really push forward for that, that, that would be invaluable experience for them. And, and really looking at uh, the standing so far, you'd have to say the U.S.'s biggest competitor for the title in the Gold Cup has to be possibly maybe South Africa as well as Mexico. Uh, Colombia coming into it uh, after their strong out against England looked like they could be a tough team, but the way they've been playing, losing to Panama, it doesn't look like they're going to be much of a challenge. And it seems like now, even with South Africa's BRC team that they're bringing, they could be a tough competitor, and it seems like a three-team race with Mexico, South Africa, and the U.S. Yeah, exactly. I'm really surprised, by the way, South Africa dominated that game against um, against Mexico, which really surprised me because I think, you, as you said, it is really their BRC squad. They couldn't get a bunch of players released from different teams around Europe, so... I, I think it's going to be interesting to see if the U.S. has to face a team such as South Africa. At the same time, you can't count out a team like Costa Rica. Uh, Costa Rica hasn't done that well in, in the final stages of the World Cup qualifying, but 
if you remember, uh, back in 2002 World Cup qualifying, they finished above both the U.S. and Mexico and won the group. So they, they are a team that has some talent. And you, you, it, could, it could be an upset come time for the U.S. to play them, and it, it really they have a chance at this as well. You can never count anyone out. Oh, of course. I mean, especially when it's one game and you're out. I mean, anything can happen. I mean, even if it's a goal, sort of like the, uh, the U.S. got against Canada. I mean, all it takes is one bad back pass or anything, and that's the end of the tournament for you. So you can't count anyone out, but I think if you're going to you know, look at who are the favorites. It's probably, as you said, South Africa, Mexico, U.S. And as we mentioned, this is definitely a tournament that Bruce Arena is looking at players to see who he could take to the World Cup. And some of the guys that you see who are, are really playing for a chance in the World Cup are guys like Clint Dempsey, Pat Noonan, and even Steve Ralston, who have been playing a lot for the U.S. recently, but their spots are still up in the air. And you also see a guy like Josh Wolf, who's, who's also still trying to get back in the picture. And then you see the Chris Armas and Tony Santoro looking for a last chance at the World Cup as well as Matt Reese, who's got the call-up, who's been playing for the Reds, and, and is also looking for possibly the third place on the U.S. roster come time for the World Cup, and it's really a great opportunity for these guys to get their chance. Yep, I think you look at someone like Dempsey. I mean, he's so versatile that it really gives him an advantage. He can play back as a defensive role, you know, up ahead as an attacking midfielder. I mean, even in a tight spot, he could play up top as a forward. So, I mean, he's got that working for him, but he's just got to sh- go out and show Arena that, you know, he has the ability. I mean, someone like Ralston has shown that he can be one of the better wingers for the U.S. So, I mean, I think his spot's a little bit, a little bit more secure than Dempsey's or Noonan's. But, I mean, even Noonan has shown that he can play on the left and mid or up top if they need him to. And with the World Cup coming up, something that the U.S. hasn't had in the past is these options. And this year, you talk about Bruce Wayne has a tough choice deciding who he's going to pick. And past years, it's been pretty clear cut. You got your first, uh, you know who the star is going to be, and then you maybe you know the first 12. And then, and then after that, you've you got the guys who you think are going to be in there. But this year, it's really tough. You can't tell who's going to make it. you got Claudio Reina, who hasn't seen that much time recently, who could be on the outside looking in. And he's been the captain for the U.S., so you don't know what's going to happen there. And then you see a guy like John O'Brien who's been out injured and was named one of the best midfielders of the last World Cup. And, and you don't know where he's going to be come time for the World Cup. So there's really a lot of options, and I think that's a really great thing to have that kind of competition t- come time for the World Cup. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even if you look at the strike force, you said you have Josh Wolf, you have McBride, you have Johnson. I mean, you have all these good players. I mean, you have Noonan, too. I mean, it was times in the past when you said, you know, it's going to be Winald, it's going to be McBride, and that's all you had. Or, you know, it's going to be Max Moore, it's going to be, you know, McBride. Now you have four or five people deep, in at, even just at the striker position, which is a great thing for us to have, but it makes a tough choice for Bruce. Now you have a guy like Taylor Twaman who's been doing so well in the league recently, and and he was going to get called up except for the injury, and you have guys like him who also also could see a chance at making the World Cup team if they get more time. It, it's really... It's really a, a lot deeper squad than you had in the past, which, which MLS has made it that way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's exactly what it is. It is the MLS. And it's not only this, even if they stay in the MLS, it's just giving them the chance to get shown off and then moving over to Europe. You know, I mean, someone like a McBride started in the MLS, c- quickly moved over to England and has furthered his career over there. I mean, I think that the MLS has really allowed the U.S. team as a whole to improve from top to bottom. And talking about MLS, we've, we've seen uh, recently some salaries of players that were, were leaked. And you saw Landon Donovan, uh, according to the Washington Post, and by, written by an article written by Stephen Goff, 
Uh, you saw a guy like Landon Donovan, the league's most highly paid player, making around 900000 a year, and plus possibly some incentives, that's just his base salary. Yeah. And then you also see a guy like Eddie Johnson, who just last year was making something like 85000 now he's making 874000 And so it shows that the league, even though their salary cap, the league maximum is something like 300000 you see them going out and making an effort to keep some of the top American players in the league. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think when someone like Adonovan shows that he wants to come back to the MLS, it really gives the MLS an incentive to say, hey, we have a chance, we can market these guys, and if we can keep them around, you know, this league is only going to improve, and eventually, you know, there might be a time when we can start getting, I mean, you know, you hear the rumors, Luis Spiegel might be coming, might not, you know. I mean, just the fact that we could even be being linked with someone like that just shows how far the MLS has come, not even just for U.S. talent. And, and then with a guy like Eddie Johnson, who ha- they could have sold for $7 million cash, and they decided to keep him, they decided to be better for the league. But also, th- I think the, the, team, the league is realizing that it's better to keep these players playing in the league than possibly going to Europe and just sitting on a bench over there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's better for everyone involved. I mean, if if you get to the point where you know you're going to go and you're going to start, you know, someone... I mean, even someone like a McBride, he moves over to Fulham and he's in and out of the bench. I mean, it, it's good for him in a way, but, you know, if he had gone somewhere maybe where he would have started every day, it could have been a little different. Yeah, it's definitely better to see these guys staying staying in the league. And I think the the, the start for the league to become one of the best leagues by keeping their top stars, the American top stars in the league. And it, it's good to see them going out and making effort. And it, even though it may seem unfair to be going over the salary cap to keep these guys, I think it's a good thing that they're doing that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if, I mean, if you look around any league in the world, I mean, a lot of them begins with your best talent staying home and then getting a couple extra complimentary players, which is what they were have the rules set up for, and if they can keep that going, then we should be all set for the next couple of years. Well, we'll take a quick break here, and then we'll be back with some more Revolution Recap. Are you looking for an experience like none other? Then why not try the Dina Barrow Sports Complex? With basketball courts, turf fields, batting cages, physical therapy, health connection, velocity sport performance, and the DB Fitness Center, it is your first choice in indoor recreational sports facilities. After the game's over, stop by the Trifacta Sports Bar and Lounge. The Trifacta is a sports lounge social club that will give you a panoramic view of the action on the field or the courts below on either side of the facility. Want to feel like a pro? Play on our two Boston Square parquet floors. If hitting is your thing, then the batting cages run year-round by Red Sox catcher Rich Gedman will be your first choice. Keep your game sharp and always be ready for the season. If soccer or field hockey is your thing, then play on the same turf fields used by professionals. Our fields are perfect for soccer, flag football, lacrosse, and field hockey. We are offering four fields with state-of-the-art surfaces. The Physical Therapy Health Connection has been serving your physical therapy needs for over 20 years. Velocity Sports Performance Training Program teaches you the techniques required to improve speed, strength, power, and agility, flexibility, and endurance. That's the Dana Barrow Sports Complex 31 Oxford Road, Mansfield, Massachusetts, or check them out on the web at www.danabarrows.com. That's www.danabarrows.com. Or give them a call today at 508-337-3100. That's 508-337-3100. Dana Barrows Sports Complex, an experience like none other. Hey, Kevin, did you see the new minivan Scott got from Dighton Auto Sales? Yeah, it was really nice. Heard he got a good deal on it, too. Go see Charlie at Dighton Auto Sales for your next vehicle. 
They're at 223 Chase Avenue in Dighton. You can call them at 508-669-6655 or 508-989-7259. They're just a quarter mile south of Dighton Police Department on Route 138. They came from every corner of the country, from small towns and big cities. But they all shared one thing in common. They belonged to a family called Marines, a tough and determined few dedicated to protecting everything we hold sacred. And still, they come. Celebrate the history of those proud few who have earned the title Marine. You are listening to AM 1320 WARL, Attleboro, Providence. And now, back to Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. Uh, we're going to get back on the topic of the Revs now. Um, about the call-ups and everything, I had the opportunity to talk to Matt Reese as well as Shari Joseph at a practice about a week ago, uh, talking about the impact of missing some of these players, as well as talking about what it means to the team for, for some of the younger guys to get their shot. And uh, we'll start off, i got a clip from Matt Reese on his opinion on all this, and we'll play that now. Your first time getting called up to the national team? Right? It's actually my second. I got called up uh, at the end of last year uh, for the game against Jamaica, and uh, I was in that camp, so this is the second time I've been called up. Uh, they've been saying that uh, you still be able to play for the rep games. Back to true. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll try and work it out. If uh, if I'm not on the uh, 18 man roster, then uh, we'll try and fly myself out and get the national team. U.S. Soccer will release me, and uh, I'll be able to play for the Revolution. So is your ultimate goal to possibly be the one of the keepers called up to the World Cup? Uh, yeah, for the World Cup that's a pretty lofty goal. Uh, right now I'm just um, trying to make a, one of the rosters for the Gold Cup and uh, you know kind of go from there. Get my my uh, name and my face in with with Coach Arena and, and try and uh, you know impress him enough to give me a shot. And how's it been to be in part of such a successful team this year? It's been it's been awesome. I, I think uh, you know the, the hard work that these guys have put in and and uh, everybody here for the past you know two three years is really starting to pay off now and. Um, it's a true testament to this team that we didn't give up and we haven't, you know, gotten down on ourselves for last year. You know, we didn't have a great year, but, you know, we kind of made it all up in the, the last couple games. So, and that's the, the, the amazing thing about this, this game is even though we're doing really well right now, it really doesn't matter until, you know, the last last month or two. So we just got to keep our, our heads level and, and know that when those last come November that we got to be ready to play. And what does having the best defensive record in the league mean to you? It's, uh, for me, it means my teammates are working really hard in front of me. And, uh, you know, we're, we're a really good, strong team. And we're, uh, we're all on the same page and we're really working for each other. And um, if we can limit their, their chances and we're not getting good or giving up too many goals, then we're going to give ourselves a really good chance to win. And that was Matt Reese, Revolution goalkeeper, on, uh, on the Gold Cup as well as the Revs having the best defensive record in the league and doing so well on us. Such a great start. And another part of, he's been a great part of it with his excellent saves and saving the penalty kick last last night as well as having the best goals against average in the league. 
Another part of why the Revs have done so well is Shari Joseph has really been excellent at the Revs' defensive midfield part. Um, he, he's been uh, called up an international duty with Granada earlier in the year, but Granada, unfortunately for them, were eliminated by the U.S. early on, uh, so, they, so they haven't been able to get many time. He hasn't been called up much more since then, which fortunately for the Revs, unfortunately for them. And uh, Shari Joseph's really been a constant in the lineup up until last night due to the suspension. And uh, we can hear his comments now on what he had to say about the Gold Cup call about the Gold Cup call-offs and, and how, how it is to be a constant in the lineup when they're gone. Alright, uh, we'll, we'll play that in just a second. Uh, while we're waiting for that, I, I'm going to give you the, the information on the contest again. Uh, the, the contest, the answer to the question is, is uh, what two players on the top five of the U.S. Men's National Team all-time goal scorers chart played for the New England Revolution at some point in their career? And please email your answers as well as your address, phone number, and your name to goldcup at mpressandsports.com. That's goldcup at mpressandsports.com. And if you win that contest, you'll win uh, two, a pair of tickets to the triple header on Saturday with featuring the Gold Cup quarterfinals as well as the Reds versus SC Dallas. And uh, now we can play the clip from Shawi Joseph on, uh, on the Gold Cup and the Revs call-ups. What's it like playing with a broken nose? It does affect your breathing, and you can't really go for head balls, and you got to stay away, stay away from collision and stuff like that. But in the long run, it's a team, and I know my can play with my foot. I can do other stuff and, except head balls. So I'm just happy to be playing with a broken nose. For the so the teams have to deal with some national team call-ups. Uh, how is it staying, being one of the people who's constant throughout the lineup when some of these guys are gone? Uh, it definitely feels good just being in the lineup. I don't have to worry about national team duties or anything like that. It's good to be there with the team. We're going to have guys filling in and out when the national team guys. And they've been waiting for the opportunity all season, and they're going to get the opportunity to showcase what they have. And do you think the team has the depth to handle it when these guys are gone? Yeah, we definitely have the depth. It affected us the last two, three games that we missed in Taylor, Pat and Roddy, and Clint just joined us. But right now, we're just getting everything back to the group, and we're showing back our chemistry building back our chemistry together and our unity together. And the team has the best defensive record. Uh, who, who do you think the credit on that goes to? Uh, it's definitely team-oriented. We play defense together. As long as the forward start defending on top and then the midfield defend and then the back defend, we all stay together and just defend as a unit. So I think the credit goes to every one of us on the team. And who, who are some of the new guys that the team's brought in that you think uh, are, can step up big when some of the national team players are going to be on? I think we definitely depend on one of the forwards, whether it be Kenny, Kenny Smith or Conley. One of them after stepping with Taylor down now and then. We leave it to Andy's to come in when Clem comes. So they're definitely going to have the chance to come in and make an impact on the game. So it's all about the, using the chance they get. And with the Reserve League this year, do you think that's a great help for the team? Whereas last year, they've had players who didn't really get games and who have to be coming to subs when injuries happen. Yeah, it does have the Reserve game because the guys keep match fit and they're ready to step in. And they get to play every week or every other week. So it helps us in the big long run and helps us to have guys come in ready to play in big games. It's Shari Joseph, uh, really one of the stalwarts for the Revs up until last night. I believe he played every minute of every game. The other guys who've done that are Michael Parkhurst, uh, Jay Heaps, as well as Matt Reese. And it's, it's good to have those constants in the lineup when all these guys are getting called up and you have some young, less experienced guys in the lineup. It's good to have some of these leaders and these, and these more experienced players in, out there every game that have been there for the whole year. Yeah, and especially with it uh, being Heaps and Parkhurst, I mean, when your back line can say can stay, you know, more or less constant. That's really a big help to your defensive record. And I think, you know, having someone, you know, like a Joseph who's, you know, doesn't mad, doesn't mind working backwards, working from the back forward. I mean, if you get these guys that are your constants in your lineup showing that we can work defense first and then use that to attack, it, it really puts the mindset into your team that, you know, we don't have to go gung-ho and it's really a key for this team. 
Yeah, the, the Revs' defense, uh, the best defensive record in the league right now, less than a goal a game. Uh, some of the credit can go to Jay Heaps and Michael Parkhurst, uh, as we mentioned earlier, and then Matt Reese has had a great year. But it's, it's really a whole team effort. Uh, so starting up top, you see Twelman pr- always putting pressure on the defense. You see him running at the guys, causing turnovers. And it, it's really a whole team effort, as as Shari Joseph said, it can be named the whole team right up to the forwards. And it's great to see a team working together so hard, uh, not only on offense, but also on defense. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you let any team bring the ball up, you know, right up to the halfway line with no pressure or anything. And if you can get all 11 guys in one half of the field, it's going to make it miserable on your defense. They're going to get worn out and they're going to get tired. So when you have people like Twelman and, you know, like the wingers pushing up, forcing them to make the good passes, and I mean, even when you turn it over and start the counterattack, that's when you get your big plays. Yeah, Twelman's a guy who has had six goals this year. Not his best year offensively at this point, but uh, last year he didn't have that great year offensively either. The years before that he'd been up there on the league scoring chart, top of the league in goals and then top of the league in total points the year before. But something that doesn't go down is, is his, his constant effort running at, the, running at the defenders, causing turnovers. Something that some of the other revs forwards, a guy like you might not see like something like that out of Kano Smith, uh, and, and that against certain teams that can hurt the team not having somebody doing that and that's really something that doesn't go on the stats and doesn't get noticed but it, it's really a great help to the team to have someone up there cu- putting pressure on the defense like that and not allowing them to get get time and set up their attacks. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's something that Carl Smith will pick up in time and I mean, it shows that, you know, Twelman He's, he's learned that, you know, if you're not scoring, you can still help the team out in other ways. You know, he's had the hamstring injury, so you can't expect him to go out there and score a goal every game. But if he can go out there, pressure, and, you know, create a chance for someone else by tipping a pass or stealing it and getting him to, a, you know, in a dangerous area, that's all he needs to do as a forward. And then we have the All-Star game coming up uh, at the end of July where the All-Stars are going to take on Fulham, uh, the team of Brian McBride and Carlos Bocanegra, two former All-Stars. And uh, as far as the voting, the only player on the Revs, the only two players on the Revs who would have made it if it was just by fan voting would have been Clint Dempsey and Matt Reese. Uh, but they're, they're, that's only 25% of the vote. They have the media vote, they have the players' vote, and they have the GMs and coaches' vote. So that could ch- definitely change. Uh, you saw Eric Ronaldo, if you were watching the game last, last night at 6 o'clock, you saw Eric Ronaldo say, mentioned five revs out of the starting 11 of the team that he thought should be in there, saying Michael Parkhurst, Matt Reese, uh, Clint Dempsey, Pat Noonan. He said they should all, all, all of them should be in there, as well as Shari Joseph. So it, it's something that uh, a lot of deserving players are, are likely to get left out of the all-star squad. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even if you look at what Brandi Chastain said, she said that she, the person that she thought was going to probably get snubbed but really shouldn't would be Joseph, and I think that's true. I mean, he's taken over that midfielding role, uh, defensive midfielder role, as well as you could have expected. He distributes, he works hard, and I mean, it just shows that, you know, even the lesser-known Revs players are still, you know, at the top in their position in the league. Well, you see guys like Pablo Mastroeni and Chris Armas, who are the names that come to mind when you think of defensive midfielders. But now you hear rumors of uh, Colorado possibly trading Pablo Mastroeni, and then Chris Armas is, is starting to age. And and you see uh, also rumors that in the past Bruce Arena tried to get uh, Shari Joseph citizenship to possibly play for the U.S. national team. So it's really a testament to how well he's done and what a great player he is. That that he's been so constant in the Revs lineup, and and now I, I believe according to stories that. He got a co- new contract that puts him out as one of the highest-paid players in the reps. And it's well-deserved. I mean, he's a constant in that midfield, and he works hard, and he's a great leader, so he deserves it. And the Revs' central midfield pairing uh, has rotated a lot due to call-ups and everything. And you see uh, it's been Jose Cancela, Shari Joseph, Clint Dempsey, Andy Dormer rotating throughout it. And uh, even with a guy like Clint Dempsey out, I still think the Revs have possibly the best 
central midfield pairing in the league, even missing one of those crucial guys. It's, it's, they have that much depth in that area. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Dorman comes in, and, you know, he's always there for a key late goal. So, I mean, having him step in isn't, the, isn't as bad as it would have been in the past when you would have had, you know, someone with no experience or very little experience trying to fill those holes. And then with the reserve league this year, uh, the rosters have been made a lot larger because of that, but also players have gotten more experience uh, in game times and reserve games, and, and that, that can only help with a guy like Luke Verkelon impressing for the reserves, and then you saw him get a run out last night and uh, doing pretty well, so it's great to see reserve league players who do well get their chance with the team, as well as another guy like that, Conley Adosian, came in and has been doing well for the reserves, uh, the leading scorer, and he's been getting a shot with the team, so it, it's great. It's a great addition for the league to have this reserve league and something that they haven't had in the past, which really helps the, the revs with depth, where in the past they've had injuries and they haven't even been able to fill the full bench. Yeah, exactly, and I mean, even if you look at someone like Orion Latham, so I mean, I think it's a great, it's a great thing that they in installed for this season, and it's going to help them going forward. Well, I'm going to give you the contest information one more time before I take a quick break. Uh, the question is, which two players in the top five of the U.S. men's national team all-time leading goal scorers chart played for the New England Revolution at some point in their career? And you can email your answers to goldcup at mpressonsports.com. That's goldcup at mpressonsports.com. And include your name, address, and phone number. And we're going to go to a quick break here, and then we'll be back with some more Revolution Recap. Uh, the information for the contest will be put up at revolutionrecap.com uh, after the show if you missed it. Are you looking for an experience like none other? Then why not try the Dana Barrow Sports Complex? With basketball courts, turf fields, batting cages, physical therapy, health connection, velocity sports performance, and the DB Fitness Center, it is your first choice in indoor recreational sports facilities. After the game's over, stop by the Trifacta Sports Bar and Lounge. The Trifacta is a sports lounge social club that will give you a panoramic view of the action on the field or the courts below on either side of the facility. Want to feel like a pro? Play on our two Boston Square parquet floors. If hitting is your thing, then the batting cages run year-round by Red Sox catcher Rich Gedman will be your first choice. Keep your game sharp and always be ready for the season. If soccer or field hockey is your thing, then play on the same turf fields used by professionals. Our fields are perfect for soccer, flag football, lacrosse, and field hockey. We are offering four fields with state-of-the-art surfaces. The Physical Therapy Health Connection has been serving your physical therapy needs for over 20 years. Velocity Sports Performance Training Program teaches you the techniques required to improve speed, strength, power, and agility, flexibility, and endurance. That's the Dana Barrow Sports Complex, 31 Oxford Road, Mansfield, Massachusetts, or check them out on the web at www.danabarrows.com. That's www.danabarrows.com. Or give them a call today at 508-337-3100. That's 508-337-3100. Dana Barrow Sports Complex, an experience like none other. In the market for a late model, one-owner automobile? Then why not stop by Matthew Auto Sales? On Route 6 in Somerset? the area's first choice in late model one owner automobiles. Family owned business for over 40 years? Matthew Auto Sales also has auto glass repair, auto body, and towing services. Come by and see Richie about the good buy of the That's Matthew Auto Sales on Route 6 in Somerset or check him out at www.matthewauto.com or give them a call at 508 678 
508-678-9033. That's 508-678-9033. And make sure to bring Oscar a doggy ball. You are listening to AM 1320 WARL, Attleboro, Providence. And now, back to Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. Joining us now over the phone is Frank DeLapa, writer for the Boston Globe, as well as for ESPN.com. Frank, can you hear us? Yes, sure, John. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Yeah, good to be with you again. So I've been seeing your stuff on ESPN.com now. Is that something that's going to keep up? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they, uh, yeah, I think they're trying to do a little more stuff with soccer. So, so I'm going to be doing uh, twice, twice a month for them. I'll be writing. That's great. And yeah. and the Revs last night, uh, they're just their second loss of the season, uh, but it puts it puts uh, Chicago ahead of them despite Chicago playing three more games. Uh, I know coming into the season. Uh, I'm sure if you ask the coaches, they'd have been happy saying they're just two losses uh, at, the, at the midway point of the season. They would have taken it. But uh, last night, I think the Revs came out a little bit slow and possibly could have done better. And against a team like Chicago, that was also missing many players, would have liked to have gotten a better result. Yeah, they sure would have. I think uh, you know, I thought, I thought Chicago was pretty good uh, when the Revolution played them before. I really was impressed with Chicago. I thought they were a good team, and they had a lot of players, a lot of depth. And uh, just the Revolution at that time was playing so much better than just about everybody else in the league that they they just dominated those games and really destroyed Chicago two times in a row but Chicago's a good team and they showed it last night and with the Chicago having played three more games uh, the Revs obviously going to be missing their national team players for a few more games uh, against teams like FC Dallas who has been the top team in the league uh, it's going to be a tough stretch for them to pull out some wins but as far as having the three games in hand, do you think come the end of the season, uh, the Revs getting their starters back will be enough to secure them first place in the league or in the East? Yeah, right. I don't think it's assured uh, at all, but um, only because, you know, Chicago, I think these three teams are sort of separating themselves, uh, Chicago, Dallas, and the Revolution. You know, um, they could, you could well get the champion from uh, one of those three teams. So, uh, yeah, it's not going to be... Easy for them, as nearly as easy as it looked like it was going to be, you know, uh, earlier. Uh, other teams are getting better, and uh, Revolution, I don't think is is getting that much better because uh, because they started out so well, they really were on top of their game almost from the, the start. So uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a little bit of a struggle. But, uh, you know, I think. Uh, it's, this is part of the, the, the deal. It's part of the, the sort of the evolution of the team. You know, Chicago was missing four the Gold Cup and, and two injured players too. And and, so, yeah. and in a couple of weeks, the Reds have a game coming up against uh, Chivas USA, which they'll possibly still be missing their players for if the U.S. continues to do well in this tournament. Uh, and a team like Chivas is coming off a five-one win over Real Salt Lake, their first really big win of the season, just their second one of the season. But uh, they have a several players coming in like. Uh, from from Mexico team, several proven players from the Mexican league. Uh, do you do you think that team that game could be possibly a test come time when the Revs play them? Yeah, I know because that's a long trip to LA. You know, the the team just took it and uh, they really felt that. So yeah, uh, Chivas. Some of these teams are, are get, will get better, and that's one team that will definitely get better because uh, I thought they'd make these moves a little bit sooner, but they're going to bring in some players, and uh, that's going to change the nature of uh, Chivas. I, I thought Chivas would do. A little better than they have this year, and uh, 
Yeah, that, that'll be a little bit of a test as well, just because it's a, it's a tough road game. And in the past, we've seen the Revs make late season surges uh, to get into the playoffs, and then we saw in 2002 uh, even winning the division. Uh, the divisions obviously aren't as close this time, but do you see Chivas as possibly making a late surge into the playoffs and causing some havoc to the teams in the West, like Dallas? I just think they might make a, you know get into the playoffs. I don't think they'll do anything. Uh, you know, I could be wrong, but I, I think they, they could sneak in there. I, I never thought too much of the Salt Lake team, but you know they've done okay. But uh, they could well. Uh, get ahead of those guys, uh, you know, each team 5-1 to one shows some dominance right there, you know, so, yeah, the, they, they could be a factor, you know, like you say, maybe it's a spoiler or something too, yeah. And, and with the Revs, uh, early in the season, they've gotten out to quick lead and and done well holding those leads, but in the past few games uh, against Columbus, uh, you saw them fall down into early hole, and then against the Metro Stars, they ended up being down one goal. Uh, they came back and won those games, and then against Los Angeles, they were down a goal and came back and tied it. Uh, against Chicago, they were unable to do that. Do you think that's something that should be sort of worrisome to the team to see them falling out behind early in these games? I think it is because uh, I think what's happened is other teams are adjusting. You know, I think the Revolution really, really surprised everybody. They came out at a 3-5, and they played really, really well. You know, I mean, they're passing on. Uh, you know, they, they really... Uh, so now I don't think... Uh, I think teams have sort of figured out how to play them uh, a little bit. It doesn't mean that... Uh, so I, I think another adjustment might might have to be made in fine tuning or whatever. They're not going to change. Anything. But uh, like you saw against Chicago last night, uh, uh, the Revolution played a lot of long balls and it was uh, didn't work. Uh, you know, and one of the reasons it didn't work is because Chicago had two really strong, big central defenders. Now, what Chicago did was come back to Revolution and sort of attack them. You know, go right at. Uh, their defenders and their defenders are a little smaller you know uh, not quite as physical and, and they put them under a lot of pressure now, those guys did well but I think what teams are going to try to do is try to come up the flanks that's what Chicago did on the goals um, set up by one defender Logan Paws you know he, he comes way up and the other and the goal was actually scored by Cigars another defender you know those wing outside defenders they'll come up and try to really pressure those flanks, you know, and get in behind them, and uh, that's that's one of the things that Chicago did. So, you know, it's just one of those adjustments that the Revolution will have to make. It'll be a lot easier to make when you get Steve Ralston on that flank, you know, and and uh, whoever's on the other flank, the better. So. And as far as the national team players caught up to the Gold Cup, uh, you saw. Uh, Clint Dempsey come back after being called up and not look as sharp as he had before that. Uh, do, but now to see the national team players like Steve Ross and Pat Newton and Clint Dempsey uh, having great games with the national team, do you think this time when they come back they'll be more sharp than they were when they left, or or do you see it possibly happening the way it happened with Clint Dempsey the last time? That's yeah, really I think what's up is uh, how um, you know performance levels vary. You know through those kind of circumstances, and uh, it got me thinking that. Uh, you know, um, you know, a year ago, you couldn't really imagine how that they'd be in this, that the revolution would be in like nine, two, and five, or something. You know, at this point, so I'm thinking for, for now. You know, it. Oh, am I, am I losing your show? Yeah, you're breaking up a little bit, could you? Sorry, yeah, I think uh, it's a little battery. I'm gonna try to try to get it, plug it in while we're talking. But uh, yeah, so a year from now, you know, I think. Uh, Revolution might be in these, these same kind of problems. I think because because you, you're sort of the victim of their own success. These guys are playing so well; they're on the national team, so you're going to lose them, you know. And uh, you're going to lose them again next. 
texture at this time in the world. So, how are we doing now? Yeah, that's a little bit better. And uh, okay. yeah. and you see a guy like Avery John called up who hadn't been starting recently, but see, with all these other guys gone, you'd see he probably would get a starting spot back. And it, it's really tough for the team to be missing really five players who could be in, in the lineup. And do you think it's hard for the team to all of a sudden go and lose like five players instantly that have been pretty much uh, constant starters for the team? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's really showing. It's a team that, you know, hasn't been in this position. So, yeah. Uh, but, you know, having said that, Chicago looked pretty good, and they're missing uh, just as many guys, you know. And they had just as many problems, and they, they looked okay. So, having said that, I think the Revolution – um, is a little weak uh, um, in depth, just a little weak, you know. Not bad. I think it's better than it's been, certainly in the past. And uh, their first, you know, 11 or 12 guys are, are better than they've been. But uh, they do have a little ways to go there. And I think, uh, yeah, it would have been nice to have, like, Avery John there, you know, his perfect sort of a number four defender in that, you know, to throw him in there. And uh, Gilberto Flores, the Brazilian, who's uh, been signed, that took a little bit too long to get done, and he actually they could have really used him in that game as well. And with, with uh, as you're saying, both teams are missing about the same amount of players. But you saw uh, Los Angeles the week before attempt to get Bruce Arena to release Landon Donovan, uh, with, with him also having to release uh, Clint Dempsey, Steve Rawson, and Pat Noonan if he had done that. But Steve Sampson thinking that that would help his team more, despite uh, being a three to one ratio. As far as the Chicago game, uh, you saw the players missing for the Reds, and you saw the, the equal amount of players missing for Chicago. But do you think the players missing for the Reds were a similar situation where had they gotten those back, those players were more impact players than, say, the players that were missing for Chicago? Well, you know, I was told that, uh, yeah, you know, I think so. But, but it's still, uh, they're not, it's not a whole lot uh, of difference there. You know, Chris Armas was a really important player, and uh, I think Guerrero, they're saying, is, is actually, they're saying is their best player this year uh, from Guatemala. So uh, pretty pretty important players and then uh, the other two guys Jake was playing real well injured and uh, let's see Sonny was out and who else was injured maybe that's in my mind but you know so yeah I don't, I don't think there's much to choose from there I think the Revolution just got outplayed well we got to wrap things up here thanks a lot for joining us uh, you can check out Frank DeLapa's articles on uh, Boston.com as well as in the Globe and at ESPN.com now it's great to, to see your writings in there and you, you do an excellent job with uh, the soccer articles well, it's good to good to good to talk to you guys too, because you guys, uh, you know, you keep me uh, alert with good questions too, Sean. So, good oh. show, thanks. Well, thanks a lot for joining us. And we got to wrap things up here. I, uh, I mentioned the contest earlier. We don't have time to get that out again, but the information will be posted up at revolutionrecap.com. Uh, you can get the latest Revs news at anyrevs.com. Archives of the show will be available at uh, revolutionrecap.com as well as. Uh, you can listen to live shows there as well and um, I'd like to thank Dave Ackman for joining me today in studio and if, if you missed it the Revs next upcoming game will be Saturday at Gillette Stadium as part of that double header that, that you can win the tickets to so thanks for joining us thank you You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.